So anticipation is building. We are only five days away now. You're thinking, I'm adding this up. It's December 12th. Randy, you're off. No, no, no. We're five days from opening night. Star Wars. The Force Awakens. Um, I can't wait. I was nine years old. I remember going with my parents to go see it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about that moment in that theater with uh, Chewbacca and Han Solo and Princess Leia and C-3PO and R2-D2. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's exciting. I think now 30, uh, what, 38 years later, whatever that is, you know, I... I here, 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 here we are again, you know, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, R2-D2, me, we all look the same, not much has changed. I think we're going to find out, and I, you know, they, they've kept the theme fairly shrouded in secrecy, although little bits have come out here or there, and some of you totally disconnected at this point, and I get it, because you're Trekkies, and, and I understand that, and then, and then others of you are like, get on with the Bible. But what I will tell you is, you know, there's this, there's this shroud of secrecy on this film, but I think if, 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 if history is any indicator, there's going to be a disturbance in the force. And, uh, and I also think that it's going to take at least two more movies to clear it up. Um, that's just kind of how, how, how I'm thinking there. Uh, but so that we can all get on the same page, whether, you're, whether you've tra- traveled down this road or not, I want to take us back for just a moment, just, just pacify me here for 10, 11 seconds, I think, of uh, one of the most famous movie lines of all time. Here we go. That's it. Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's a great disturbance in the force, as if millions of voices suddenly cry out in terror and we're suddenly silenced. I feel as if something terrible has happened. Of course, you know, all of us know that was about the destruction of Alderaan. But what, what I, <laughs> I know, but, uh, but I, I think that, uh, all kidding aside, that there is a great disturbance. And it happened thousands of years ago. And I, I, would, I would say that there have been people crying out and do cry out. And I would say that something terrible not only did happen, it happens in our midst now because you see sin entered the world and everything changed. And I wanted to take us back to that moment in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, this is not going to be on the screen, so you can just listen to this part. That's fine. Then the Lord... God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly. So there's the, the serpent being cursed. Then he talks in verse 15, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head. You will strike his heel. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth. Verse 18 or verse 17, and to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. Verse 19, for where, you, where we're made from dust and to dust you will return. There was a curse that was put on the snake. There was a curse upon the world 
for mankind, you see, everything changed. The struggle began, sin entered in. And what Paul has to say in Romans chapter 5 puts us, I believe, right on target. When, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone has sinned. And so we have all felt that disturbance. And it is significant, right? And you felt it this week. You felt it at some level today. We experience it in the sin in our own heart and in the sins of our children and our grandchildren. We experience it when we sit down for a minute and look at the news. And all you have to do is just pick a country, right? I mean, of course, the Middle East is an easy target, whether it's Iraq or Iran or Syria or Afghanistan or Libya or Paris or San Bernardino. Or whether you jump into more local issues even and we start to talk about trafficked baby body parts or the porn industry or extreme poverty or lack of clean drinking water or cancer or domestic abuse. I don't think disturbance is a strong enough word, do you? Sin has disrupted and damaged the earth and it is a destroyer of all that we are physically and spiritually and emotionally and relationally. And its effects, I believe, leave us desperately longing for and seeking peace. Peace for ourselves, peace in our relationship to God. And we try all kinds of things to soothe and make that peace a reality. I, I think we can go back just, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. And peace was a struggle as we looked at different religious groups in our world, whether it was the Muslims and Christians or Christians and, or, or, or the Jewish people. And you start to look at all of this conflict. And, you know, back 15, 20 years ago, we would look at that and go, oh, well, that was the Golan Heights and that was the West Bank and that was Eastern Jerusalem. But now post 9-11, it's here. It's in this moment. We feel that conflict and lack of peace. You know, even after all of the Nobel Peace Prizes that have been won, we are still struggling. You know, in the last 4,000 years, do you know how many years our planet has lived in peace? Approximately 268. And historians would say, that's probably not correct because that's probably times when, really honestly, nations were just reloading. In the last three centuries, there have been 286 wars just on the continent of Europe. We've had 8,000 peace treaties that have been broken, and almost 4 billion people have died in wars since 3600 BC. Nations, rulers, struggling with peace. And you think, well, we can come into the church and surely the church is just this sanctuary where everything is peaceful and nobody ever argues and it's all, we're all in one accord, right? And we struggle with it here and the church sees us struggle or the world sees us struggle. And rather than the church expanding and growing, you know, only 20% of churches in our country are actually growing right now, 20%. And I can't help but wonder, is that because a world looks in at 
the fighting that occurs, at the ego building that is rampant, and at the issues that, you know, we want to be so very firm on. And I get it, there's a lot that the Bible does speak on that we often ignore. But then the world looks at us as a church and says, ah, church at large, you know what? All you're doing is creating conflict with all those opinions, opinions you have. Aubrey Malfers, a famous church growth strategist, writes, essentially what was a churched, supposedly Christian culture has become an unchurched, post-Christian culture. People in our culture are not anti-church. They simply view the church as irrelevant to their lives. Why? Because they're struggling to find peace. And so often, maybe just because of preconceived ideas, maybe not even darkening the door, they're just convinced they're not going to find it here. People may not verbalize it, but we're in a huge hunt for peace. Peace not only in our world, but peace in our families. I would guess this is a really tough time for a lot of families, you know? I mean, it can be in in our family. As you look at relatives that come in and out of the picture at this time, to say, okay, well, we know it's just going to be smooth sailing, peace all the way. We know that that's... That can be a challenge, whether they're blood relatives or relatives by marriage. A day, a couple of days, a week long with people in your house that are not normally there, it can feel not so peaceful. But you know, it's not just about the holidays, is it? It's also about the conflict that just is generally a part of life as we walk through it with that tension of being selfish and prideful. And then on top of it all, appliances break down and craziness ensues. And typically, I don't know why this is, but for some reason, like ice makers and appliances and plumbing systems and things, they're antagonistic to relatives. Have you found that to be true? We, we had that happen just this Thanksgiving. We were in San Marcos with my brother hanging out at his house. We had a great time there. On Thanksgiving Day, one of the relatives comes into the house just as, as stone-faced serious as possible, looks at my brother and says, is this supposed to always rain in your garage? No, we didn't create that water feature, as a matter of fact. So we go out there, and sure enough, Uh, Water is pouring into the garage. Long story short, AC system, drain line is clogged, drain pan fills up over time, doesn't realize it. Nice house, incredible, uh, you know, incredible house. But what's happened? Well, over time, corrosion, rust, breaks through, boom, on Thanksgiving during during dinner. Peace. Not so much. But it's not just in the stuff of life and not just in the relationships of life. It's also right where you and I sit. Do you have peace? In our soul, if we were to sit together for just a few minutes and have a cup of coffee, would you describe your inner self? Fearful? Prideful? Anxious? Lonely, resentful, hurtful. We could make that list go on and on and on. It'll probably hit each one of us at some level. 
And those things tend to start to carve away at the peace. I think maybe, if nothing else, tonight, with the peace candle, what God was impressing on me is for us to just come back to the Prince of Peace and say, this is where the source of my peace is to come from. My relationship to Jesus. We hear the word peace thrown around a lot. Uh, Let there be peace on earth. Let it begin in me. If you go to dinner tonight out on 35, you could go head out that direction and have peace, love, and crabs. You sit down on the couch, say to your kids, just give me a little peace and quiet. Or in this moment, in this season, what do we hear? Luke chapter 2. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Lots of people have thoughts about peace. Here's a couple of comments you might enjoy. Anton Chekhov wrote this. We shall find peace. We shall hear angels. We shall see the sky sparkling with diamonds. He was a doctor and a writer. I'm concerned maybe he mixed the two a little too much. I don't know. It's strange. Aristotle wrote, we make war that we may live in peace. Some of you are thinking, uh, my family makes war that we might live in war, Randy. That's how that rolls. Dwight D. Eisenhower. We seek peace knowing that peace is the climate of freedom. That's, that's some good stuff right there. That'll preach. Because when we live in peace, you know what God says about us? We are truly free. George Washington wrote these words. There is nothing so likely to produce peace as to be well prepared to meet the enemy. That's good stuff too, George. We do have an enemy, and if we walk through this world with God's preparation, you know what happens? We have peace, even though the enemy does exist. Ramona L. Anderson said, People spend a lifetime searching for peace, looking for peace. They chase idle dreams, addictions, religions, even other people hoping to fill the emptiness that plagues them. You see, we see this everywhere. We've all been victims of this chase. And then... Of course, we've got Rihanna. In her song entitled World Peace this year, she sings, keep singing though. We will dance in the rain despite all the pain. Keep your hands in the air spinning round and round and round and round and round and round. Got a lot of thoughts about peace and how to get there. (laughs) Let's see what God has to say before we check out of this place tonight, okay? Peace is found... In the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the New Testament, in the Greek, peace is typically referring to this sense of well-being, this wholeness, this harmony, this security through a proper and right relationship with God. In the Hebrew, you see peace referring to this restful, almost harmonious state of affairs among people or even things or within a particular environment. In the Bible, Christ is properly called our peace. Let's look at a verse, Ephesians 2:14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. What's Paul talking about here? It's more than just this temporary uh, treaty between two parties. It's more substantial than happiness that winds up being achieved on circumstances that are going our way. This this peace that he's speaking about 
he speaks as it, saying that it destroys the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. This is a greater force than any that George Lucas could have cooked up. You know, in Star Wars, the force is seen as this energy field created by all living things coming together and pushing their power together to give the Jedi fighters the strength that they need to win the battle. In real life, our blockbuster, the one that you and I are writing by the choices that we make, you see, Christ is, God is our hope and peace and joy. And he is all the source that we need. Romans 15, 13. And now may God who gives us his peace be with you all. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace, the God of peace, make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. Isaiah 9, 6. We read this a minute ago. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Don't miss this. If peace were just some quantity of something that God would have, that's one thing. That he would be able to give us something that he has and to share it with us because he is God. But this is deeper Because you know what these verses tell us? It's not just that God has peace. God is peace. That who he is, the attribute of God that we are here speaking to tonight is peace. That's good news. That's good news for us because if we've got God, we have access to peace because he is peace. George Lucas and J.J. Abrams created Luke Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker, both protagonists in some interesting ways. And now in the newest movie, Ray is the protagonist. As protagonist of our stories, we write this script with choices. And in the end, here's what happens based on what we choose to do with God. We will write an end that reconciles us to him and enjoys him forever and ever or become enemies of God and separated from him forever. There's only two options. I say yes to Jesus as king and Lord of my life and enter into a relationship forever and ever with the Prince of Peace or I reject him. And that results in me being distanced and apart from him for all eternity. I guess the first question that we have to ask ourselves tonight then is just, are we at peace with God? Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God comes through the relationship He is offering us with him through Jesus Christ. And it is justification that we speak of. It is the salvation moment. It is, as a kid, I remember them, I don't remember who it was that told me this, but I remember hearing these words, justification, a simple simple definition. Now, 
scholars and theologians will describe all the reasons why this is bad. But as a small kid, it stuck in my mind, justification, just as if I had never sinned at all. That he wipes it all away. That in that salvation moment, he sees the blood of Jesus, his son, in front of me, before me. Have you received the gift of salvation? That's the first question. That's the most important question because that's the portal through which we have peace with God. And it's the only one that's the option. But not only is it the only option for salvation, it's also the portal through which the next question gets answered. Because see, the second question about peace is just, are we living in it? Do I have peace with God, but also am I living in the peace of God? And I just wrote off to the side there, that has to do with our sanctification. That has to do with the choices that I make every day that move me to looking more and more like Jesus. Because either I make those choices and I look more like him, or I choose choices that are away from him, and that creates more conflict in my life, a lack of peace. And I get worried and anxious and afraid and all the things that we discussed a minute ago because I'm living in conflict with myself and with the people in my house and in my relationship with God and my neighbors and my coworkers. Colossians 3.15 puts it this way, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were what? Called to peace. A couple of thoughts about this verse. I know we're all over the map today in a variety of different verses there on the phone. <laughs> They're on your phone. If you've got the app, you version, you can go there, you can download, you can catch all these verses, look back over them later if you'd like. Make sure they're in proper context and those kind of things. We're called to peace. Here's the thought. When we're called to something, what does it mean? Colossians 3.15 says we're called to peace. When I'm called to live out my calling, when I am living out my calling as a parent, what does that mean? What does that mean for you? For those of you who have walked in that or any of you maybe who have been, uh, uh, who have had parents, just laugh because we've all had a parent. What does that mean, the parent role? You say, well, that's a no-brainer. You know, I've got a calling uh, to keep my kids alive by feeding them and to give them shelter and uh, to, pro- to, to educate them and to discipline them and to, to train them and to, to teach them. And the list goes on and on to care for their needs. What if one day you or I just choose, you know what, I understand what all that calling is, but I am going to choose not to walk in the calling of the parent that has to do with feeding them. Done with that. Not going there. It would, it would not be long before we would, we would watch you on the news. As a member of the body of Christ, as an adopted son or daughter of the king, part of that calling is that I am called to peace. I am called to live in peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. That's a really important word in that verse, you see. Let. I I am making a choice through obedience to his word, through yielding to his spirit, through every day accessing all that he is. Because you see, once the portal has been opened and I have access, 
steps to the Prince of Peace, once he is accessible to me because the sin problem has been dealt with in my life, then here's what happens. The Holy Spirit sets up residence in my life, and I have access to everything that I need. I have access to all the love and all the joy and all the peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I have access to all of it. Or I can ignore his spirit. I can stay away from his word. I cannot talk to him. I can distance myself from the encouragement and support and, and, and affirmation and challenge of others who love him. And as a result, what happens is, even though the portal has been opened, even though my relationship with God is such that I am an adopted child or daughter of his, here's what happens. I can still make choices to not access that which he has given me already. And as a result, not be walking in peace. I'm not letting the peace of God rule in my life. And so we, we, we talked Advent conspiracy. I'm going to walk out of the light for just a second. But we talked about Advent conspiracy, and we've talked about how it's all about worshiping fully. And look at that. How cool is that? Worshiping fully and giving more and spending less and loving all. And as a part of all that, I can't help but wonder, yeah, that makes sense. When we light that peace candle, it does take us back to the Advent and how incredibly important that is. Because you know what? For many of us in here, we just have a lack of peace because of the choices that we make with the money that's in our account. The choices that we make this season creates not more peace, but a lack of peace because we're not asking him, God, what do you want to do with that? How do you want that to be spent? How do you want that done? I think the third question, and really it's not so much an additional point, but following out of the second one, is that as I'm living in the peace of God, that means that I am a peacemaker. What do people say about you? What do your kids say about you? What do relatives say about you? Or what do they think? When we're walking away from a situation, are they thinking, ah, or walking to a situation, ah, here comes peace. Or here comes trouble. Here comes conflict. James 3.18, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What is sown behind us? At Walmart? In a restaurant? During the holidays? After a day with your kids? Driving on the highway? Is it scorched earth? Or is it a harvest of righteousness? So the antagonist in the film, everybody knows him, right? Darth Vader. I hear he's going to make an appearance. Not here on stage, like in five days. That'd be cool too. The new antagonist, Kylo Ren, is what I'm told, is the new antagonist of the film. What about us? What's antagonistic? Why don't we just always live in it? Peace. Well, 1 Peter 5.8 says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
Galatians 5, 16 and 17. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature or to, to flesh. They are in conflict with each other. We've already looked at how the world is in conflict with itself because of the damaged, broken world we live in. So we know the antagonist is there. It's, it's in us. It's around us. It's here. How do we do it? Is it worth it? You know, I would say, number one, yes, it's worth it. And let's go back one more time to Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Striving for peace is worth it. If for no other reason, it will drive us to our knee and call out to God, who's the only answer for our salvation. So yeah, it's worth it. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus How do I get and how does that happen as I'm walking in the peace of God, guarded from what? Guarded from impurity, guarded from anxiety, guarded from pride, guarded from impatience. That people don't say, here comes trouble. That instead people say, here comes peace. You see, Jesus spoke on this in Matthew chapter 5 when he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. That's walking in the calling. That as a son or daughter of the king, I am to be a peacemaker. I am to walk in peace. So how do we do it? Home stretch here, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord, is the rock eternal. That word steadfast, it has to do with leaning, resting, or supporting. The word mind there has to do with framing our thoughts, fashioning them. In other words, what this verse is saying is saying, listen, a frame of mind that is receiving support by leaning and being sustained. That's what he wants to do for us and how he chooses to do it. Catch this. He describes this as a perfect peace that we receive. I believe the best picture of this is not in the English language because we are not used to repeating words for emphasis. But that's what happens in the Hebrew here. The word is repeated twice. And here's what it means. When it's repeated twice here, it means unending. So when he says perfect peace, that means this is an endless supply of peace from our God. That's good news. How do we stay? There's a video I want to show you that describes or shows how we stay. Because this this Hebrew word here for trust is translated to throw oneself down upon one's face. Let's watch it.
So, longest bungee jump in the world. It's off the Macau Tower. I've been to Macau. That was not built when I was there. If it had been, I'm quite certain that I would not have done that. <laughs> Just a, a tiny bit of trust there, don't you think? That when, he, that when he went face first off that tower, I mean, the trust in that cord. Wow. And as we look at this passage, it says how we get this perfect peace. It says, here's how we do this. We trust in him. Trust to throw oneself down upon one's face. How? Because God, I am tethered to you. In this world, as things get crazy, as it doesn't make sense, when you've called me to things that I think I can't accomplish on my own, when there's fear that I'm facing, when there's worry, whatever it is that's happening in my life right now that's creating all of this conflict and lack of peace, here's what I know. I know that even if I'm taking a step into the middle of nowhere, I am tethered to you. And my heart is being ruled by your peace because I am tethered to you, to your word, to your voice, to your people. Last two verses. So the path of righteousness is level, O Lord. O upright one, you make the path of the righteous smooth. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. That becomes the song of our lives, the soundtrack, the script, the theme. All points in that direction. Leonardo da Vinci painting the Lord's Supper in the church in Milan. Took him longer than he thought it was going to have to. I've heard the story, some of you. He was four years in when a friend of his walked in and said just innocently, Leonardo, my eyes are just drawn to that chalice. That is amazing what you've done there. I mean, that silver chalice, I mean, that is just, my eyes are just drawn there. Took him months. Leonardo worked at painting over that chalice, reworking the print because he had intended for Jesus to be the focus. For Jesus to be where the one who was viewing the painting was captured. God, our purpose is to know you. God, I pray that as we seek after you, that we would do so with the purpose of knowing you and making you known. God, we realize that there is disturbance all around us. But God, we also know that our peace is not to be dependent on the circumstances around us, the hurricanes that are there, the tornadoes, but God, that you indeed are the one that we are tethered to. So God, we just want to lean on you. God, abandon everything that is propping us up outside of you. God, may that blockbuster movie of our lives be one 
that is a story of peace. Now, right where you sit, with your eyes closed, are there peace destroyers in your life right now? Duke University did a study on the peace of mind. I thought it was interesting because some of the things that they mentioned make a lot of sense why people don't live in peace. Some of the things on the list, resentment, holding a grudge, living in the past, old mistakes and failures, withdrawn from replenishing healthy relationships, throwing regular pity parties, not cultivating laughter and love and compassion and loyalty, self-centered, egotistical, not believing in something bigger than yourself. For a secular study, they kind of hit the nail on the head as to what robs our peace. Maybe what you would say tonight is, God, I need you to be my peace. God, I know that I'm tethered to you for all eternity, but God, I also want to have your peace rule in my life with the choices that I make because of the obedience that's there as I step into your word and your voice and your people on a regular basis. Would you just take a few minutes just to have an honest conversation as the Spirit speaks? Is peace there? God wants it to be. As we worship, there's an opportunity to give in the back, the boxes that are on the wall. There's an opportunity for communion up front as we remember the Prince of Peace who gave everything for us. There's an opportunity to sing along or to bow or to kneel or to stand. If you choose to end this as we yield to his spirit, however it is that he's speaking at this time as we worship together.